Hey, I'm Brett Podolsky, co-founder of The Farmer's Dog. We make fresh food for dogs. We started the company when we saw what a huge difference it made in my own dog, Jada, when she stopped eating ultra-processed kibble and started eating fresh, whole food. The Farmer's Dog food isn't fancy. It's just real food delivered to your door in pre-portioned packs. It's better for them and easier for you. Get 50% off your first box at thefarmersdog.com slash podcast. That's thefarmersdog.com slash podcast. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. You could spend the weekend doing the same old whatever, or you could conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. It's time to take command with former NFL tight end Logan Paulson and former Commander's Beat reporter Craig Hoffman. Take Command podcast from Odyssey Sports. I'm Craig Hoffman. He is Logan Paulson, and um, we are so sorry. We are going to go over the film of the Cowboys game. (laughs) What did I text you, man? I said, are we going to do a film review? Because I didn't really want to watch the film again. Nope, you didn't. But um, here's here's how we're gonna do this to make this um, I don't know palatable. Make it uh, Relevant. more re- relevance. A good word. Relevance the the correct word. Even um, we're gonna look at the offense through the lens of like how is Sam doing, right? That is the yeah. most important question. So what's the offense doing for Sam? What is Sam doing for the offense? Uh, as we start kind of the evaluation process of looking forward to the off season and figuring out exactly what they've got and Ashburn for this team. Defensively, we're going to look at why they fired Jack Del Rio, uh, for, lack, for, for lack of a, a more you know, delicate way to put that. Um, but like, what are the problems that happened in Dallas that were the end of the snowball where Ron Rivera decided afterwards, like, this, this is the end. We can't do this anymore. Um, and, and in fact, Logan, because that is probably the bigger headline, let's start there. So they give up, you know, over 400 yards. They, they, there's inevitability that, that there was to it. It just felt like no matter what, Dallas was going to score. There's no better example of this than their first touchdown drive. They start in the shadow of their own end zone. They complete this beautiful ball from Dak to Ferguson down the seam over the outstretched arms of Cody Barton. They pick up a couple of penalties on that drive. They overcome them. And it's one of those drives that, like, in net yardage, they might have had over 100 yards net yardage on right. that drive because they, they have – uh, you know, penalty yards, and then they, they overcome that, and they ultimately wind up in the end zone. And that's the kind of day it was, and that's the kind of days that they've been having. So when you watch the tape, like what more does it tell you than the, the sheer numbers and the production already told us? Yeah, I mean, I think, um, gosh, man, where to start? So like in the first half of this game, man, like, you know, I, I chart, I've said it every week, I chart red and green. Right. This is the most red that I've charted in the first half ever this season, right? It just... Guys not in good position. Guys not making plays. Like, and it, it's tough, man. It was it was a tough watch in the first half. So there wasn't a lot of good there. And I just, you know, and it's funny because I don't think guys are. This is this is something interesting. And this is like one of the great paradoxes of watching this defense is I don't think the guys are bad. I think you've got good football players. I think you've got instinctive football players. I'm just every time I'm watching it, I'm like, is this guy in a good position to be successful? Right. So like. I mean, we were texting a little bit over the weekend and there's a play where it's, um, you know, it's, it's this duo run, right. And it looks like Casey's supposed to have outside contain. And then, um, the guy runs for eight yards. And to me, it's like, is he, does he actually have outside contain here or is it the safety? And if the safety is supposed to have outside contain, why is he playing so deep? And it's just this really weird, every play is kind of like that, you know, where it's like, is this guy doing what he's supposed to do? Yes. And is he playing with correct technique? Maybe. But is that the is that is that maximizing what he does? And I think like when you watch the first half, I thought on the first drive, they did a good job getting off the field on third down in the first quarter. Like they got a little bit lucky, right? They had a uh, overthrow by Dak, which kind of sets it up. But 
you know, 29 has a nice, um, nice coverage on the first third down there where, you know, he's in good phase. Everyone's covered up and you're like, okay, there's a good man to man down. But then you go to the next play, and that, that's the that's the sequence that starts that long drive, that first and ten. You talk about that Cody Barton play. First off, mm-hmm. kudos to Dallas. Like I just love when I see like fun offensive wrinkles. And again, we talked about how Dallas doesn't have like a ton of offensive wrinkles, but I thought this was pretty cool. Like they get in like a kind of a bunch. It's a tight trips, and they run all go special, right? And what I love about it is they had the slot receiver act like he's crossing, and so Cody has to settle for a second because the eyes are, are on this crossing route and then that, right. that guy kind of bounces back out and runs the, the vertical seam and it's enough to get Cody out of phase with the tight end and again Dak delivers a perfect ball but right love that and he's not even wrinkle. that far out of phase like right you know that's one of those where it's like it seems like a commander special where it's the ball's one inch over a guy's right. head and you know Dak Dak just puts that ball on a perfect trajectory because if he lofts it like the safeties are there Cody's in good position if it under throw it's a pick and instead, it just perfectly in the in the tight end's arms. Yeah, and I think um, you know, you know, we talked about Cody right there. Like, obviously, that's a tough play for him. But I think a guy, you know, we talk about guys building for the future or guys that had good games. Like Cody was a guy that stood out to me as a guy that played really well. I thought he did some really good stuff in coverage. You know, he's a good phase with receivers. I thought he made some nice fits in the run game. So I think a guy that deserves a little bit of a shout out as a guy that played consistent football and was graded pretty well by PFF. So I feel comfortable kind of saying that the next play again the next play golly we could do this all day but the next play is frustrating right they're in a cover two they've got a seven man box it's an eight man blocking surface in those blocking surfaces when you are playing two usually you do some type of scrape you do like a because you're accounting for you're short a gap right if you have eight blockers and seven defenders you're short a gap so what they'll do is they'll stunt the d line and then they'll 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 position the linebackers in a way where you're trying to get that will linebacker to be free and so they run like basically a lead with the fullback and Jamin thinks he's got to spill it to Cody, but Cody also spills the fullback. They're both hitting the fullback essentially. And then they'll get the back bounces it out. So it's like somebody screwed that up. I don't know if Jamin's supposed to pick the, pick the fullback and Cody's supposed to scrape or Jamin's supposed to pick the fullback. Cody's supposed to scrape. And then, um, and then Kalik is supposed to scrape all the way over the top. I don't know. But again, that's a classic example of what are you supposed to be doing? Because I, I can see shades of a correct thing here, but obviously it's not the correct thing. And I think that's something you and I talked about quite a bit is, are you, is, is there just too much in? Like, cause you know, right. they're, they're in cover two, they run cover three, they play a little bit of man, they play six. And are you just not good at, are you just not maximizing those downs, you know, because you've got too much stuff right. going on. And I just feel like every single play until the third quarter had shades of that going on with it. So yeah, no, and I think that's the thing where, to me, it does reflect back on coaching um, as opposed to, like, oh, these players just aren't whatever. And, you know, this is a bit of a sidebar, but we're going to take it real quick. I actually think that there, we have crossed a Rubicon of uh, talk about this defense that is uh, wrong. Like, I think people have gone from, at the beginning of the year, this is a talented group that's underperforming. Why can't they get more out of this team to, like, actually, we overrated the talent. This team, this, there's not actually that many good players on this defense. And I just think that's, like, I just think that's wrong. Yeah. Um, because, like, I don't think John Allen is suddenly not a very good football player, not an impactful football player when used correctly. Deron Payne, same thing. Like, Jamin Davis, uh, you know, I think has shown that he's a very productive football player yeah. when he's in good positions. Um, you know, I don't think Benjamin St. Juice can't play in the NFL. He can't be a number one corner in the NFL in this scheme. That's for sure. But like it's it, it they've taken players who we know have talent, who we know are good um, and and made them so that they're not like they're negatively productive so that they actively hurt the team. And so I I, I think that's what I'm so fascinated by by these next couple of weeks uh, to kind of finish the sidebar before we get back to, you know, this game is if Ron super simplifies the scheme and it's like, let's get aligned. Let's make sure everyone is clear on like one thing they're supposed to do or two things, a pass, a pass responsibility and a run responsibility. Very, very clear. Go play. And we might not have all the best answers for everything, but at least everyone will be on the same page. I want to see how many guys played better because that is really what these last couple of weeks are about is like, how do you evaluate the talent that you have and I think in order to do that, you have to allow them to play fast and free. Now, I think part of the evaluation for the next, 
you know, GM and the next personnel group is like, okay, well, we know we can't put them in something super complex. Like there are certain guys who can't handle it. And as they talk to players and kind of understand what happened, that's going to be part of the discussion. But I also just wonder, like, did, did the coaching staff not either not respond to a couple of key guys in key places who messed up the communication or who couldn't handle the bigger load compared to some of the guys that have been here in the past? Or was it coached so poorly from a detail standpoint um, that you that you have a bunch of confusion? And to get back to the tape, um, like there's there's a play that happens. Was it Jamin, the one that you sent me that? Uh, yeah, oh, yeah, it was Jamin. Yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. Where it's like, he should, they want him to do this, it would seem, but also based off alignment and where his eyes are supposed to go, he should be going the other way. Right. And it's like, sure, if afterwards on tape, if you're like, hey man, you need to you need to back off into this slant throwing window, but during the install period, it's like, hey, because you have a four week on this side, your eyes need to be going here. Right. And you taught him two different things at different times. No wonder guys are confused. And that's what it feels like has happened a lot. I know that was long-winded, but I hope people understand that the main takeaway here is that you do have talented players, um, but they were often put in conflicting situations or unclear situations. And that is why ultimately Jack Del Rio is not here. Yeah, and I think like, you know, I think that's a great point. I think when you watch Dallas, it's like the total Dallas's defense, it's a total it's the total opposite of what the commander's defense is. It's a group that they're extremely confident. And, you know, are they always playing with perfect technique? Do they drop guys in coverage? Yeah. But they're playing fast. They're playing confident. They know what they're doing. They know what their defensive identity is. And I think maybe the most important thing coming out of this game is they that coverage group is so, so incredibly tied with the rush. It's like they are they're inseparable. And I think, like, they trust the rush so much in Dallas because they can, right? That's the group that's number one in pressures in the NFL, right? They got guys like Micah Parsons. And you say, well, why are they so good? It's not Micah Parsons winning one-on-ones down in and down out. It's Dan Quinn and that defensive staff. I don't want to give Dan all the credit because I don't know how it goes there. But I know Dan's a smart guy. I know he's a former defensive line coach. And they are constantly looking for matchups and games and ways to create pressure with four, with five, with matchup, that there's a hunger and a desire. And we've talked about that that passion for perfection with regards to Kyle's offense and how they hunt for angles in the run game or McDaniels. You know, I started my uh, my Miami prep last night and it's it's a scary proposition, man, because that group is, they're starving for maximizing their guys. And when you watch Dallas, you see that. And I think that's something that I had a conversation with somebody the other day, and I think Micah Parsons is excellent. I think he's an excellent football player. But I am pretty confident that if you put him in this scheme, I don't know if he's he's like a 15-sack guy. I think he might be a 9-11-sack to 11 sack guy. Because when you just say, hey, win a one-on-one versus, you know, Lane Johnson, Jordan Mailata, name your tackle, it, it doesn't happen. Even like when you watch like Nick Bosa, like I do a lot of D-line study. When you watch Nick Bosa and you're saying, hey, win, win a one-on-one versus Lane Johnson. He doesn't do it because Lane Johnson's that good. But the reason Micah gets so many advantages, he's he's lined up against Tyler Larson for 20% of his snaps today. Oh, he's lined up against Chris Paul for a couple. Oh, he's 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 on a crazy looping stunt where he's completely unblocked. That passion allows them this great coverage dexterity in the back end. And there are times in this game where we have to call attention to the fact that the coverage is good. Like there's a play, I forget, the, I think it's the third quarter, Kendall Fuller is in two-man. It's third and 11 or third and 12. He undercuts the dig. He plays the two-man perfectly. The rush doesn't get home. Dak extends the play. The receiver uncovers it into being a play, big play, and everyone's like, oh, my gosh, Kendall's terrible, blah, blah, blah. But that's the rush. That's not being disciplined with the rush. And I think right. like that, even when the coverage was good, like good, like winning coverage, the rush wasn't there. And I can't be mad at the rush because they are literally like, hey, line up in the same position every single time and rush the passer. And I just think that is that's an unrealistic expectation in the NFL. Look at all the teams that with top flight pass rushers. Miles Garrett, TJ Watt, Nick Bosa, name your guy. They are finding ways to maximize those guys, right? They play techniques, they play a defensive scheme that allows them to be aggressive. And you mentioned um, you know, Payne and Allen and all these guys. I think there's a reason that they're not being overly successful is because they're literally just in, it's like win this one-on-one, win it. And if you can't win it, 
like what are we paying you for and i don't think that's entirely fair and so i think that to me was the big like seeing dallas do the, it there's the lack of pressure was crazy in this yeah. game like it was the, this was probably the worst pass rush game that they've had. and they've had some ineffective games but there's been t- like new england i don't hold against them because while mac is terrible at basically everything else he gets rid of the ball quickly and they, like, and they were pretty good about creating like pressures in the context of that yeah right here they're just it just felt like dak had a full pocket all day i mean they had 14 pressures in the game right by uh pff's number like that's nothing yeah that's nothing when you watch week to week in this league and i think the other thing you see there is like there's not a lot of third downs there's not a lot of third and longs there's not a lot of opportunities for them to rush and so you get guys like there's a play where they're in drop eight and casey two hills in a four eye andre jones is in a four eye and they're looping out into this drop eight and so there's no conceivable way that I expect them to win a rush where they're lined up over the guard. They got to get outside the tackle and then start their rush. Like that's just, they're not going to win, right? And the, whoever's playing those is not going to win because the second those guys leave, they're going to double team down on the nose and you're going to have this beautiful pocket. And that's what happens. And I think that's something that really, and you know, Ron said in his presser, he's like, we're going to try and find ways to create more pressure with four, get better angles with four. And I think there's something to that. Like I also coach offensive line. And one of the things that's tough about line stunts is you coach this this pass protection angle, and when you deviate the angle, that's when it gets really complicated. You know, when I'm when I'm changing my approach, and they just don't do that a lot here, and it's and it's tough. And we talked about this in the preview show. One of the things that's really definitive to me is that this offensive line is good. They are good in Dallas, yeah. and so what happens when you get a good offensive line is you got to do something to elevate. And I thought there were some times where they. They they made good pressures. Jamin Davis did an excellent job blitzing, creating pressure, but she did it three times out of fifty four snaps, and that's just not effective. I don't think so. I think that yeah. was that was the big takeaway for me. Is we can go through every single play, but there's going to be plays where you're like, man, coverage was good, rush was bad, or the rush was good, coverage was bad, and they just never got synced in the. And it was so nice to watch Dallas to watch how they do it because you're like, that's the gold standard for how these groups should be working together. Yeah. eBay Motors is here for the ride. Remember when you first saw the potential? And then through some elbow grease, fresh installs, and a whole lot of love, you transformed 100,000 miles and a body full of rust into a drive that's all your own. Look to your left. Look to your right. It's official. No one's got a ride like this. There's nothing else that sounds like, feels like, or looks like the set of wheels in your garage. With over 122 million parts, you can make sure your number one ride or die stays running smoothly, so there's no limit to how far you can take it. Brake kits, turbochargers, engines, exhaust kits, roof racks, LED headlights, bumpers, whatever your baby needs, eBay Motors has it. And with eBay Guaranteed Fit, it's guaranteed to fit your ride the first time, every time, or your money back. Plus at these prices, well, you're burning rubber, not cash. Keep your ride or die alive at ebaymotors.com. Eligible items only. Exclusions apply. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America NA, member FDIC. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. So I do wonder, maybe we'll spend a little bit more time on this on Thursday, but like how creative does Ron get? We know simplifying is going to be the main thing that he does, but like at this point in the season, like I'd mess around with John Allen outside. Like I would be like, okay, hey, you're one of our best rushers. Like, let me get you outside. You played a little bit of that at Alabama. Like, and we don't have premier pass rushers, uh, you know, because we traded away Chase and Montez. 
So let's put John Allen outside with Big Phil uh, and and Duran inside, opposite of Casey. Um, like let's let's play with stuff um, and see if we can mess up a, a D line or an offensive line. Um, and especially against a team like Miami, that's going to run it. Like let's get better run players on the field. Obviously, there's a speed element, and you know there's matchups, and there's a million things to consider. But like. They've just got to do something different. And, you know, maybe that idea actually sucks. But, like, the the fact that they just tried the same thing all year, it seems like, um, and expected different results is, I think, what drives me so nuts. And, um, you know, there's a little bit of this, too, where it's like, okay, Ron clearly has some different ideas. And maybe some of this is because he, he's got to call it now. And, you know, he doesn't know the defense as well as Jack did. Because when Ron got here, for those that forgot, like they installed Jack's defense, not Ron's defense. And so they're going to simplify it down so he can call it nevertheless. So it's simpler for the players. But it's like at some point why, you know, Ron should have stepped in and, and done some different stuff. Or maybe they did make changes. And, you know, Ron was like, oh, that's a good idea. Try it, Jack. And it didn't work. But it just felt like they never they never really adapted. They started to blitz a little bit more after they traded the two edge guys. But like but by much, and large, yeah. they just kind of in, expected it to work eventually and maybe that's because in the past that's happened but it just it just didn't ever click this year and now you know i guess you say hey we'll we'll try it with someone else in charge and someone else coaching the dbs and hope that we have better results or at least we can get a cleaner evaluation in these final five games than what we've had because what we've had is a disaster yeah i mean i think like that's that's and it doesn't even to me it doesn't even need to be that complicated like i look at I was watching. I did. I started my Miami prep last night. And I was watching Miami. They're second in the NFL in unblocked pressures, and I was like, they don't blitz a lot. Vic Fangio doesn't blitz a lot. He blitz lots on third down, but not a ton. And a lot of their pressures are just off of like TTs. You know, they got Wilkins inside, and they just pick the center. They loop the other guy around. They get a double team on Wilkins. And they get a free runner to the quarterback, and that's what New York did with Dexter Lawrence. Like, there's not. It doesn't need to be rocket science. Like, there's stuff that Dallas does with four which I thought was beautiful. Like they did a, an ET with uh, Micah Parsons, right? They loop him around and I, and it looks like he's trying to rush the a gap, but instead of rushing the a gap, he picks the center and the backside shade just loops around him and runs free to the quarterback. It looks like he's an unblocked blitzer. Like that's how clean it was. And it's just sometimes just messing with those patterns and third down and repping those things gives you advantages in terms of lines and approach. And you don't even need to move guys around. Now the question is, like you can tell, Dallas like lives and breathes that, and they they really do an excellent job of coaching that. Can you get that level of timing and cohesion in basically an extended bye week? And the answer is, I don't know. So um, you know, it seems like something that they they should have been working on potentially this whole offseason. And I know they do stuff like that in training camp, but it seems to kind of like maybe a little bit of an afterthought at this point for them. But you know, can you get to stuff like that? On a, on, a, on a little bit of an extended like time in terms of prep, maybe. And I think they probably should explore all options in terms of finding ways yeah. to just help those guys out, you know? For sure. What about the back end? Um, because obviously, like, it's so frustrating because, you know, Visselmeyer, um, you know, the Harris to Visselmeyer drop-off seems rather apparent. Um, they also happen to draft in the first and second rounds DBs uh, at a position that was not well coached this year. But from kind of a... Like if you're if you're trying to coach some finer points and get some things detailed up and also help with play calling to make things easier to execute, like what options are on the table and and what was exposed in this game? Yeah, I think um, obviously like the the main thing is what we talked about is that like when the rush isn't with the coverage, like just again Dallas, right? The reason um, Bland has six pick sixes or whatever he has is because he trusts that when you run an out, there's not going to be an out and up. There's not enough time, so he breaks on the out. And he's going to pick that ball off. And these guys, they they haven't had that luxury in the back end all year. So they are playing true man for long periods of time, which is very, very challenging. And that's not an excuse for them. That's just like stating a fact, right? And then there's opportunities like where you're playing in these man situations. And there's certain routes that I don't care. Like, so for example, they're running a sprint out to the right. And I think people get on Benjamin St. Juice for this, right? And uh, C.D. Lamb... Acts like he's selling a go. He's, he works. Benjamin St. Juice works with a go. It's a quick snap down. The ball is out before Benjamin even gets his head around. It's a first down. That is not a situation, if you're in man-to-man a lot, that I expect you to win. As a receiver, especially playing off-man, I've talked to Tan about this quite a bit. When you're in man, like I like it. 
I want man coverage because you're by yourself. And the more you're by yourself, the more I can prep myself as a receiver to win. And the more as a coordinator, I can prep myself to beat man coverage. And there's a reason people in the NFL, defensive coordinators, run such a low percentage of man-to-man coverage now because it's pretty easy to beat because the offensive players and the timing of it is so high level. The quarterbacks are so good. And so, uh, like I said, I think they had some downs where you're like, man, um, Quan, that's excellent coverage on CD Lamb on this choice route. Like that is big time elite level stuff. But also we get that kind of inside stem work back out for the corner for the touchdown. And I say to myself, like that took so long because the rush wasn't getting there. So while Quan needs to be better, the rush isn't there, right? Then there's the jolt for the touchdown to Cook, right? Where, again, we talked about on the phone, uh, yeah. that's a play that everybody runs in the league, and it works when you have guys, young, inexperienced safeties, or when you cut crossers, and he looks like he's selling the corner. Percy gets a little bit wide, and they cross his face. And so, did I think Percy did some really good stuff this game? Yeah, man, he did some really good stuff. In, in, in conjunction with what he's done the past two weeks or three weeks, I'm like, he's trending in the right direction. He got beat on that. And that's a young football player not understanding what can hurt you and how he needs to play a certain coverage. And I'm going to put that on him, but I'm also like, is the coach telling him the correct thing? Or does the coach say, hey, man, anytime you get that roll action, think corner. I want you to break to the corner. And he's breaking to the corner, and then he Dax sits up. and he th- I don't know what he's being coached to do, but those, those are the types of details that I think we're talking about where that's bad. But is it bad because of what he's being told? Is it bad because of his inexperience? Because you also see him make a great play in Tampa too, where he breaks up the ball to the tight end over the middle of the field, like makes yep. a, an outstanding football play, like breaks on the ball. Great job. And it's like, great. You see those high levels, but it's the inconsistency of it. And I think that's, to me, the back end that's so frustrating. Even, even St. Juice, I thought had a really nice man-to-man situation on some go stuff with cd lamb and some tight area stuff there's all it's so funny all the incomplete passes all the times where dak holds the ball a little long and throws it away coverage is pretty good but it's just it's so hard for them to hold that down in and down out because they're playing so much man so i think that group definitely needs to play better i'm not trying to absolve them of anything yeah but, I but think- how, how can the coaches call it to make them play better outside of just being like, Hey, man up and play better. And if they can get in more, I would say simple shell zone coverages. And especially this weekend against Miami, like, like cover two, cover four all freaking day. I don't care if they know just, we need, we need dudes deep. Um, But I think like, to your point, like what can we own? You know, like, and I think like when you're watching, like for example, that Jamin Davis play that we were just talking about where they get, where they, where they have four week, four to the week side. Right. Yeah, so uh, they're under center, uh, fullbacks in the game. Uh, yep. There's you know four players to the to the weak side of the formation. So, well, so you got the strength. It's the strength, and Jamin's the or, weak or, linebacker. Yeah, right, sorry, yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, so four players to the strong side of the formation. You got two receivers, a tight end, fullback, uh, and then you got one wide receiver over to Jamin's side, split out, uh, and he's on that that weak side of the formation. And the back works the left, right? So now that's four week, right? Because the fullback's over there, the two receivers are over there, and the, the receiver and the tight end and the back's over there. So based on the rules that they've played all year, it's like his eyes go with the back, which is what you'd expect him to do. And he's looking for a crosser coming back. In cover three or cover two or whatever coverage we're deciding to play, can we make sure we understand what we're getting in these certain looks? Can we make sure we own it? Can we make sure, hey, Jay, or, uh, Cody, you can lock this crosser because I'm going to buzz this slant or whatever it is, right? And those things, when it's a little bit simpler, allow them to be a little bit more clear. Because if you think about it, defenses have to adjust to literally everything the offense does. And the more defenses that you put in, you are just multiplying the adjustments you need, right? Because like, let's say on that play, for example, they're in cover three. There's an adjustment in cover three that we want. Let's say they're in man. There's an adjustment in man that we want. Let's say they're in cover two. There's an adjustment in cover two. And so if I have five coverages in, I have to have five different adjustments for that one play that the offense puts in. So I think to your point, if they can find something, a defensive identity, let's say, that's outside of this just straight man coverage, I think it's going to be – like you're going to have to play man. Like you're going to have to play it at some point. I'm not saying you can't you, – you can't never play man. But just limiting the frequency with which you're doing it and limiting the situations to stuff where you can win in man-to-man situations. You know, we got a pressure on, let's play man, or whatever that looks like. So I think that's something that definitely I would expect – Ron to make an adjustment with. And, and when you look at Ron in Carolina, and I know he wasn't calling the defense in Carolina, 
but they played a lot of cover three and they played a lot of man, you know, and like that was who they were. And I think <clears throat> getting back to something resembling that would probably be advantageous. And it's going to be a tough week to do it and be successful because like I was texting you last night, like Miami is gross. Yeah, dude. cover two sounds like a great idea until you realize it gives you a light box against Miami. and um, They're going to make you yeah. look redonkulous. But then the, al- the alternative is you play a bunch of cover three and then you have uh, one high safety to deal with Tyree Kill and Jalen Waddle. So dude, I don't know and what's worse. I know we're not prepping them. We're not previewing that right now. But watching him like get into the defense both those guys they get in that team gets into the defense so fast they can attack space so quickly yeah because they've got two of the fastest guys in football and you're just like how do you cover this like heavy play action away he's in this huge void just like it's tough it's gonna be tough deal for sure so i I joked with you last night we were texting i was like it's a bold move for ron to fire jack now you could (laughs) have just waited one more week and let miami destroy you um because you know week one week one of rivera calling the defense might be uh might be an ugly one because of who the opponent is all right uh that's that's enough on the defense uh we'll obviously preview miami coming up later in the week and we'll see what kind of adjustments they make. But uh, yeah, more red plays than any other time this year. The snowball got too big. Rivera made the move. Hey, it's Greg Hoffman from Take Command. It's not just a podcast. It's the 25th hour of your day. Your weekly source for all things commanders, right on time, your time. A list of household chores. Do them without missing a beat and listen while you work. In the car, turn mundane drives into memorable moments. With podcasts, you can maximize productivity and minimize FOMO. We're on demand, so we fit perfectly into your schedule. Follow Take Command in the Odyssey app or wherever you get your podcasts. Hey everyone, this is Brett Boone. Would you know it? I've got a podcast going strong in our fourth year. Tune in as I sit down with my friends, some of the biggest names in sports, media, entertainment, for a lot of fun and in-depth conversations. As you know, baseball's been my life. It's been in the family for a long time, but it's a lot more than that here. It's sort of like taking a ride in a golf cart around a beautiful track. Join me every week for multiple episodes on the Brett Boone Podcast, available on the Odyssey app or wherever you get your podcasts. Take a Man podcast from Odyssey Sports. Greg Hoffman here, Logan Paulson there. We, together, will be at Tap Sports Bar. Again, on Sunday, MGM National Harbor, Take Command pregame show. We're there starting at 10 a.m. on your radio and on YouTube, 106.7 The Fan, the team 980. Doors open if you want to come hang out in person at 11. Okay, the offense. Logan, let's look at it through the lens of the quarterback because that is so much of what this season is obviously about. Um, how How is Sam going uh, in this offense? How is he growing? How is he elevating it? How is the offense elevating him? Um, but, you know, even the red-green test, if you will, like what you make of what they try to do in a game where they don't wind up scoring that much? Yeah, I think um, got to give credit to Dallas, man. That defense is good. We knew they were good. And you just see like how they create problems, you know? And I, and I think that's the other thing is like, there were probably more times than normal. So usually there's probably like three or four plays that I'll text where I'm like, Hey, do you think Sam can make this throw? Or what do you think of this read? And I didn't do it this week, but I'd say there was probably like seven to nine, you know, where you're like, Hey man, like ball probably should be going here, you know? And I think, um, and this is, this is something that I think is going to be really interesting to watch because Sam did well against, you know, teams that have been struggling a little bit, um, you know, was very productive against like average football teams. Like the Dallas Cowboys are a playoff team. Um, the the Buffalo Bills are a playoff team, right? And so as the level of competition, as the defense improves, like can Sam continue to improve and match kind of the nuance and complexity that these groups are presenting? Because like it's, it's tough, man. It's, it's really, really tough. Like the first play of the game – uh, it wasn't the first play. It's the first first down of the of, of the uh, of the game, and it's a it ends up being a sack. And so basically, what they're doing is they're running like a high cross from Terry, who's on the offensive right, and they're running like two posts. And so when you first watch, it, you're like, man, you probably got to get the ball to Terry here. But then when you rewatch it again, and you're like, man, they're kind of busting this coverage because the post, the outside post, which I think is Curtis, they basically drop him. Like the the middle safety in cover three matches the the inside post or the high cross, whatever you want to call that. And then he's running a post versus outside leverage to the middle of the field. And the middle of the field is wide open. 
And I'm like, holy cow, man, if this is protected, we're talking about six on the yeah. fourth play of the game. And now I'm not saying Sam needs to make this throw, but this is more of a kind of we're, we're making a commentary on EB as well as Sam. Like, cause everyone's like, oh, we need to get more explosive plays. And I look at this play and I'm like, this is this is the explosive play. And Sam can for sure make this throw. And also Terry's coming open because he's running to grass. Now there's a little bit of a pressure, but can Sam anticipate the throw to Terry? It'd be tough. And if the protection holds up a little bit more, man, you're hitting your head on the goalpost. So that's one of those plays. And that's the fourth play of the game where you're like, there is a lot of potential in this play if the protection holds up. And someone, I was talking to someone last night, talking to Grant Paulson, actually. And one of the things I was thinking about is like, why doesn't this hit? Like, what's the difference between this and Kyle Shanahan? Because basically what they're doing in Kansas City and a little bit in Minnesota and here is they're running play action concepts from a drop back perspective, right? Because it allows the quarterback to keep their eyes on the field, on, on, on the coverage. And one of the things about play action stuff, especially the way Kyle runs it, is it allows you for, and, and the way Miami runs it, is, is it allows for better protection surfaces for the offensive line. So right. that's one thing where it's like concept's good, the time you're calling it is good, but are you maximizing the offensive line with the protection call? And that that's something that I got to keep an eye on the rest of the year. But that's something I would say, you know, if you get a different protection in here, this same concept, like that's that's a huge play for this offense. And so I'm not mad at Sam for missing it. I actually like that EB called it. Uh, I like that it's there and it's open, but I think like the execution of it is the thing that's going to leave you kind of wanting. And then the question is, can Sam elevate that concept by throwing that high cross to Terry, which is to me the secondary option with a little bit of anticipation and getting you on the board there, if that makes sense. you know. So th yeah. those are the types of plays we're, we're talking about in this game for Sam. Well, you have that, and then you also have the reality of the offensive line. Like There was kind of that two-week boost where when Larson and Paul came in, the protection was better. Um, and it just feels like it's regressed back to what it was. And really the difference between this and earlier in the year is like Sam's better at dealing with it. So you're going from nine, 10 sack games every week to four or five or three, three to five sack games. Mm -hmm. But the pressure's still there. Like Dallas got a ton of pressure in this game. And, you know, sometimes it, you don't even realize it because Sam so quickly gets out. And, and is yeah. able to make a play or sidearm this or whatever. But, like, let's see. How many pressures do they – 34 is is the On number that PFF has. 75 plays, yeah. which is a like, lot. That's an insane pressure percentage. And But that's um, what Dallas does. You know, they, That's about 44%, which is what they are on the year. Right. Like they, that's what they're going to do. And so, you know, it, kudos to Dallas. Um, but if you're looking at it from EB's perspective, it's like how could we have prevented that? Could we have moved the pocket more? Could we have – you know, hey, we like this concept. We run it typically at a drop back. But it's originally a play action concept. Let's go back to the original and and let's let's try to get a little more protection that way. Um, obviously, game flow. Um, they're never up in the game, so right. the run game is is more hit or miss um, in terms of calling it. You feel like you need to pass the ball a little bit more. They like to pass the ball a ton anyway. Um, it's just hard. Um, but I, I think the thing that like the the phrase and, that I was using to that point, go ahead, real, yeah. real quick, yeah, to that point. I think one of the things I'd also like to call attention to is especially like on the second drive of the game, like we mentioned the offensive line. I think they actually they do they do a pretty good job, but there's a there's a sequence where there's probably not consecutively, but there's let me see, it's it's the second drive of the game and they're running it's the first down of the game and they're trying to take a shot. <clears throat> and it ends up being completion because Sam does a good job vacating the pocket, but there's a mental mistake on the pro. There's another play, right, where the ball's dropped, and then there's another mental mistake on the pro on the third down. And so if I'm EB, I look at this and I say to myself, those should have been good plays. We didn't do mentally what we were supposed to be doing. And I think that's super frustrating because you look at those plays, and I highlighted them in orange this week just so I could see them, where as a coach I would say, man, that ball to Terry probably gets completed there on the on the first first down of the game if we're a little bit better at quarterback. And again, that's I'm asking Sam to do something great, right? right? But then I get to the next sequence that leads to the third down where we got a punt, and I'm saying to myself, man, we had two mental mistakes in protection and a drop, you know? So, like, what what do I, in terms of as a caller and as a, as a teacher, I need to be better because I need to get that stuff cl uh, clarified. But in right. terms of scheme, I think – that's got to be really frustrating for EB and for the staff because it's like that's a, that's an opportunity for us to get points potentially, and we 
we didn't execute the way we need to execute, I think, is something that I would just also call attention to. So it's not just maximizing the play call, which I think is part of it, but it's also there's times where, and this happens in every game, but I think decreasing the frequency of some of these mental mistakes and some of these issues is 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 also very, very important. Sure. And to Dallas's credit, when you have skill, uh, as much skill and apply as much pressure as Dallas does, um, both literal pressure on the quarterback, but also just like the pressure to perform well. Like if you're Tyler Larson or any of these linemen and you're lined up against Micah Parsons, he puts a lot of pressure on you because he's really freaking good. And Demarcus Lawrence is really good. And like, they've got a bunch of dudes who are really good. Um, their corners are good. So as a receiver, like it's a harder ask to actually execute. Well, that's the nature of playing good teams. I think, um, the larger thing that I would say about this offense over the last couple of weeks, though, is that they don't feel threatening. Mm. And I think that is that to me is where I'm hoping over the next or the final month of the season here, they can find a way to be threatening because they can string together some, you know, some decent drives. I mean, even early in this game, um, you know, something that we talked about on the instant reaction show, I think, or maybe we were talking about this um, before one of those, but like they get into long field goal range and stall out and Rivera decides to punt it on those first two drives yeah. or two of the first three drives. And it's just like, I don't, I don't agree with those decisions to punt. Mm. It's fourth and two and fourth and three, either go for it or you're at the, you know, the 40 something yard line. Like it's a long kick, but you're indoors and Joey Sly has a bazooka leg, like mm. let him rip one um, or both of them. It's 60 yards, but like, okay, he's hit 61 this year. Let him do it. And so I, I think finding ways to be threatening and get big plays and do more than like, hey, look, they'll move it on you between the 20s, but uh, actually really even from like the minus 20 to the plus 40, but they'll stall out uh, because we can turn up the heat and we know we can get a sack if we need to to knock them out of field goal range. It just feels very predictable that that's going to be the outcome so often in these games. And they got to find ways to break some of these tendencies, break some of the rhythms and and ultimately strike and, and score points as touchdowns outside of how they've done it recently, which is like, Sam creates something off schedule and Brian Robinson runs 50 yards down the sideline. Yeah, no, I think that's a good point. And, 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 and again, to Evie's credit or to kind of maybe give a different perspective, because I think we both, you know, you both, both of us agree that we'd probably get to these shot plays in different ways. We, our offense would be a little bit different than Evie's if sure. we were calling it. But, um, you know, like, for example, the, the, the first first down, I think that should have been an explosive play. Then on the... Um, on the touchdown drive. And to be clear, that's not a criticism of EB specifically. No, no. That's not saying he's not calling it well or like there's no, no. I'm like the offense, everybody from EB to the position coaches to the players needs to find a way to do this because this this is a problem I have identified. That is what I do. It's their job to fix it. Right. And I think like, so for example, like I was like, I left the game kind of with, and you know, in the instant reaction, like you can go back and watch it. I think we both kind of felt the same way. But then on the touchdown drive, there's that PI. Do you remember on the third and one to Curtis Samuel? Do you remember that? Yes. Right. And so like, that's a play where it's a, it's a, it's a, it's a nothing play. It's like a totally benign. Everyone forgets it. PI first down, who cares? But when you go back and watch it, they basically set up like a roll pass with like a tight end, uh, like what they would call like a tight end delay. But instead of the tight end doing it, Curtis is going to do it. And if number six doesn't grab Curtis right there, that's a touchdown. Yep. And it's an explosive mm -hmm. play in the offense. And those plays are kind of sprinkled in throughout. There's like opportunities where you're like, oh, man, if like especially late there was, gosh, I forget the exact sequence. It might have been the two minute. I'll have to check my notes. I don't want to go through all of it. But they basically are running like a, a, a sit by the tight end, a corner by the, the receiver, and then uh, Pringle is running an angle across the field, right? And they catch these guys in a beautiful cover two shell. And the cover two safety beelines for the corner. And he's late to the corner, but they drop Pringle. Pringle is wide open. So if I'm coaching the read, and I'm sure it's just like if the tight end's there, take it. But I, I think you're probably coaching a high-low in terms of, you know, does the guy take the tight end or does he fall into the corner? And then if I'm sure they want you to kind of read that safety, if the safety's attacking the corner and it's cover two, throw the angle. And if you hit that and, and Patrick Mahomes gets through that progression because, you know, he's been in the offense for 10 years or whatever the hell it is, but that is an explosive play. That's one where you're saying that's on ESPN. That's the highlight reel. And you're saying there's, there's three explosive plays where you probably like, that's a 70 yard touchdown. The first one's a 60 yard touchdown. The one to Curtis is probably a 45, 50 yard touchdown. And there's, that's 150 yards of offense on three plays if you get to the right read. So 
there's an element of that too, where it's like they can't find explosive plays, but when you go back with the clicker, and this isn't like with with um, Scott last year, where it's like if you squint your eyes and they make a perfect throw, like this is a touchdown. It's like right. if you just read this out and you and you understand what the defense is doing here, like that's a huge play. It's a huge right. play, and it looks very much like what they're doing in Kansas City. So I think there's probably a little bit of frustration, you know, from that standpoint. Is that 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 Sam is doing an excellent job. Right, he's doing it. I think we're both very high on Sam, but in terms of maximizing what this offense gives you and getting through some of that mental gymnastics stuff, I'm not sure that it's it's all the way there, especially in this game. And now I got to say this too: that's not entirely on Sam. You said they had how many pressures in this game? Thirty-five or some (laughs) some crazy number. Like you can tell, he's his process was accelerated. For sure. Right. And so like, he's not going to be able to read this out the way we want him to read it out all the time. So that's another thing I got to say. Yeah. So that actually, I'm glad you brought up the high low stuff because that's something Romo talked about in the broadcast um, that I think is interesting and an area where Sam, like kind of one of his next growth steps that I'll be watching over the next five games yeah. is Romo talked about how Sam, like a lot of young quarterbacks do this and you on high low reads, ideally you look high to throw low mm-hmm. because you want to, drop that defender off, off, off. And what Romo said, which I thought was really smart is, you know, let's say it's a 14 yard bench route or whatever, you know, and then you got a, you know, some kind of quick out or whatever, you know, maybe it's a a comeback, whatever underneath it. Right. But there's, there's something at six yards or something at 14. And often you stare down that, that short one as a young quarterback to try to open up the 14 yarder. Mm. And if you actually just reverse the process and you look at the 14 yarder to draw that defender back and then quickly throw the six, that six yard guy winds up running for another couple of right. yards and it actually winds up being a 10 yard gain. And you don't really, you know, you don't really wind up missing that yeah, much yardage. yardage. Yeah. Um, yeah, and I, so I, I think the other, the other to finish out that thought though, yeah. the other thing that happens is like let's take the play you just talked about. Yeah. You look high to throw low. You realize, oh, that safety is buzzed over. Right. Maybe that angle route's there, and you wind up getting to make the the third read, if you will, in the progression. But like those are the kinds of mental processing things and the order of operations that, as Sam grows and gets more experience and cleans it up, you might see big plays get generated. Yeah, and I think like. To your point, it's it's all stylistic. It's all like because you mentioned Tony Romo doing the high low, looking high to throw low. Yeah, Matt Ryan used to do. I swear to you, he used to do this. Like I would, we'd run the it's co right. So it's it's a it's a corner and an out. Right. Co. Yep. Right. And so I'd always run the out because I'm not fast enough to run a corner. And he would <laughs> what he would do is he would just he'd look at the corner like you're talking about, like turn his head visibly back to the out. The guy would break on the out and he'd throw the corner. Like, so just understanding, I think to your point, like that kind of maturation of saying, Hey, I, you know, I am manipulating the defense. I'm, I'm taking what the defense is giving me, but I'm also dictating with my vision and my body posture, certain throws. And I think that's something that I think we're both excited to see. Can he develop in this area? Um, because there are throws, there are opportunities you're like, and there was another one, man, there was another one where they're running CO drive. So it's corner uh out and then they're running drive so terry's running across and then they got a dig or a basic behind that and so they match the co and he tries to force a throw to logan thomas when terry is wide open across the middle and that progression should just take you there it's like hey i don't like this don't like this let's hit the drive right over the ball and that's really really challenging to do but if you hit terry over the ball that's a 15 yard gain and like you don't see him not get that completion but that's so so important for maximizing what this offense can do. Um, and, and I think that's something that I'd like to see him develop at. And it's hard. Against Dallas, it's going to be really hard to do that because they create so much pressure and they're so tied to the coverage. But there were throws and opportunities there if you could work through the progression. Now, the question is, if you were to talk to Sam, is can he do that? Did he feel like he had enough time? But there are opportunities where you're like, if I'm EB, I'm like, God, like this is dead. This is where the ball's got to go. Or that's what we talked about all week. Throw the ball right there. And and that's tough. That's 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 yeah. tough. That's tough doing. But again, he's Welcome a young player who also, yeah. but he also made big plays too in his own right, and deserves a lot of credit for those. Right. So I'm not saying he played badly. It's just well, we're right. Well, that's about the thing is like I feel I feel like so much of the offense they created was like Sam off schedule yeah. or Sam shifting and jiving in the pocket and dumping something off sidearm and like it just didn't feel like there's a ton of stuff that happened in rhythm in the yeah. in this game. <laughs> And the stuff that did happen was like 
again, non-threatening. It's like, yeah. okay, yep, okay, they you know, take what the defense give you, and they tackle well in space, so it's three yards. Cool. Um, and so and, finding ways to generate big plays, and this is something that you know we'll talk about again to circle back to Miami, who's so freaking impressive offensively. Miami generates big plays in the run game because um, they oh scheme gosh. it up, and they, they are like, we're going to get you. And yeah. Washington doesn't do that. And then in the... <laughs> On the, on the passing side of it, like there are chances, but you have to be able to block it up. Um, you have to be able to read it out, and they haven't done that in weeks and weeks and weeks, and hopefully they can they can get a couple over this final, you know, five weeks of the season. And that'd be interesting to talk to somebody about that, I think, because it's like, you know, what is the, this is there, but what's the likelihood of it being there versus Dallas? Because I think that's the right. thing is like, can he work the progression with this rush you know and and that rush is fun man it's a fun rush to watch they do a great job they got a whole bunch of guys who can rush the passer so it's there realistically it's close to being there in timing but it's also like you know like what's the percentage that we're going to hit this you know in this situation versus this look that they're that dallas is presenting us and i think maybe dan quinn and dallas knows that too it's like yeah run get that corner because this is the third thing in the progression. And if he gets there, good for him. And we'll we'll take a 60-yard touchdown. But if not, like we're, we think our rush is going to get home. So I think there's an element right. of that, too, that needs to be acknowledged as well. So, All right, so here's uh, what the rest of the season, to an extent, looks like. Like We're still going to do film reviews. We're still going to do previews. Um, but we're going to obviously try to do something special during the bye week, have a guest on, talk about some bigger things moving forward um but also we'll kind of start doing some of the types of things we just did like okay what does this mean for the progression of this player um so we'll start to dive into some of kind of the in-house evaluation as obviously this season for practical purposes in terms of playoffs etc is is over um but there's a lot of potential here and and you know there's it's i think it's going to be a fun off season um but you know we'll we'll play it out uh, as as we have to with these five games remaining. So um, plenty to look forward to. Still keep listening. Still keep watching. And um, Logan apparently has something to say because he gave me the old one finger up. Yeah, one thing. So if there's guys, if, if listeners, if there's people that you want yeah. us to watch, please leave a comment. We can focus on some of those guys that are like, you know, maybe you're like, oh, how's Percy Butler doing? Or St. Juice with the new system? Or whoever it is. Leave those comments, and we'll try to focus in on those guys when we're watching film and stuff. So Yeah, and um, I will say, obviously, people are going to ask about Sam and like, yeah. you know, Hey, we got, we got the fourth pick. We got the sixth pick because we, this happened around the league. And you know, as it moves, like, would you take this guy, you know, would you take Caleb Williams, Drake may on down the list over staying with Sam? Howell? um, we'll get there. I, I think that with Sam, yeah. it's going to be a progression, but like we'll consistently update it to make yeah. a more definitive declarative statement. We're going to see where the draft pick is and how Sam finishes out this year. And, and but, just so we don't, we don't do our draft stuff. Or at least I don't do mine. I don't know when you start yours, Craig, till the last couple games of the year. So I yeah. haven't even looked at the quarterbacks yet, but I, that'll be part of everything when we get there. So, yeah. So excited to do that for sure. Um, but definitely, um, you know, give us some, give us some non howl uh, people because one, uh, we want to know who you want. And, and two, we definitely will be talking about Sam, even if it's not specifically like, here's who he fits on our quarterback <laughs> board because we got to do the rest of the quarterback board first. All right. Uh, thanks for watching. Thanks for listening to Take Command, and we'll see you later this week for a preview of the Dolphins game. Oh boy, that'll be fun. Yeah.